Well, let's open God's Word together and uh, turn your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 139. That's where we'll begin uh, looking at today. Uh, I first want to begin by uh, saying uh, last week we talked about uh, generosity. We talked uh, about the topic of we were born selfish, but we were reborn generous. Uh, and uh, challenge you guys to practice that this week by putting it into practice in your life by uh, being generous with somebody, you know, just doing some act of generosity with someone in your life. And um, man, immediately after service, my family, we go to lunch and somebody, and I don't know who it was because you did it stealthily, um, but you blessed our family by buying us lunch at, uh, at a restaurant here locally. And uh, we want to say thank you. We wish we knew who you were, but we don't want to take that blessing away from you either. But man, that was a, a real treat. And so I pray that you have found ways to bless other people because those surprise blessings are really, really cool. And so uh, I hope that, um, that you found a way to do that. Well, last week when I um, uh, returned from, um, remember, Corey preached two weeks ago. I was gone at a retreat, um, and the retreat that I was at was a retreat called Fully Alive. And um, it was based upon a book um, and uh, a retreat kind of combination of a book I was introduced to uh, about a year, year and a half ago by my dear friend Todd Stevenson. Um, and it's a book called The Original Sanctuary by a man by the name of Mark Owing and uh, a co-writer, David Terry. And um, I have lived in that book. It's a, it's a great book written by two godly men, uh, written really just parallels God's Word in so many great ways, and it's uh, been so helpful to me. But there is a, a really cool retreat that they work through a lot of the concepts of this book, and I had the pleasure of going there, and God did just an extraordinary transformative work inside my heart. And I want to share with you some of those principles today because um, I, I believe that they are principles that you can, you can really apply to your life. And I've talked about some of these things um, over the course of this last year because I'm living in this stuff. But um, I, I just really feel compelled that it is important for me to unpack a couple of these ideas with you today in, in terms of going through some scriptures and, and, and such. But uh, So a lot of what I'll be talking about today will, will be pulled out of the original Sanctuary book, and I, I recommend you buy it, read it. It's... Uh, it's, it's really, really, really good. And so I am a child of God, and, and I know that He loves me, and I know that I'm forgiven because I have put my faith and trust in Him, and He has forgiven me of my sins. And because, he's for, because of that relationship I have with God, He is now giving me a new life. God's Word says that when you place your faith and trust in God, that He gives us a, a new life. It says that, that the, the old life is gone and the new life has come. And so, this and so I have forgiveness of sins, and everything that I've ever done wrong in my life is actually, uh, when I confess it to God, He forgives me of my sins and cleanses me from all unrighteousness, which is really awesome because I had a lot of things in my life that, that was just shameful and guilty that I wanted gone. And so God freed me from those things. He can do the same thing for you. But in addition to that, there, um, there are still things in my life that um, I, I don't have, uh, that, that, um, that aren't changed. And so God's Word says that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so maybe you're like me. You're like, well, okay, I, I'm a new person in Christ, but yet there's still some stuff in my life that's not like fully different. And so I'm here to submit to you today that, for, that your forgiveness when you come to Christ is instantaneous. Forgiveness is instantaneous. But walking in freedom is a process. 
That process is something that we would refer to as sanctification, where God is going to work with you and kind of develop in your life and, and work out some things in your life. And so you can look at that sanctification as well. The more as I grow in my relationship with God, God is going to change and adjust my life and I'll become more like Christ as I mature in my faith. And yes, that's true. But there are also some things that you and I are living in and some bondage and some, some sin or some um, some areas of our life that we would say are strongholds or challenges or some fruit in our life that we would say, this is not good fruit in my life. And those challenges and those struggles and that fruit in your life that's not good, those things, you don't have to walk around with those things in your life. They can go away, but they're just not naturally going to go away. We still have to do some work in order to, to take care of that. And we've got to bring that to God and he's got to help work it out. And so, so let me explain it this way. The fruit that's in your life it has a root associated with it. And so that root, you've got to get to the root of the issue if you want to get rid of that fruit in your life. Because you can go out there and pick all the fruit and get rid of that fruit in your life, or you can medicate the fruit in your life, but ultimately it will just come back because that, that root is producing that fruit. And so while I can be forgiven of sin in my life, if I don't go back and fix the root problem, I will continue to have the same problems in my life, which will produce certain fruit in my life. Does that make sense to you? And so forgiveness is instantaneous, but walking in freedom and having God break chains is a bit of a process. And so what I'm here to submit to you today is that the process is painful, but it is really worth doing. And it is incredibly beneficial, but we have to understand how it all works and the pieces of the puzzle to put it all together. So it's frustrating when we have things in our lives that we think should just be gone, and we want them gone, and we pray for them to be gone. But it's not just a matter of just praying a prayer for certain things to be gone. We need to understand what it is. But here's the problem, and here's the mystery. As I know that you understand the fruit, there are certain things in your life you're like, yeah, that's a fruit. I would say, I, don't, I want this gone. This is a problem. But chances are, we don't know what, what the root of this problem is. And so it's either a lie that we believed, or a sin that we've partnered with, or something that Satan has allowed us to have happened to us as a, as a child, or something back in the course of our life. And sometimes we've repressed that, or we've just believed it for so long that we don't even know it's a problem anymore. And, it's a, and, it's, it's, and it has turned out to be a fruit in our life. And so there's some hard work that we've got to do for God to help us understand the root problem that we deal with that creates certain fruits in our lives. And the only way for us to truly understand these roots is to ask God to search us and to reveal those things to us so that we can take it to him and have him do the hard work that's necessary to change it. And so King David, um, he has a, 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 a psalm that, man, just I've, I've loved for so many years. And we're going to read it together. And I hope it captivates you about, who, about God's love. But King David, the man known after God, to, to, to be a man after God's own heart, he starts off this psalm, Psalms 139. He starts off by saying, God, just search me. Search me and know me. So let's read it together. He says, Father, you have searched me. And you know me. Now, what is David asking God to search? Is it his head? Is that, what God, is that what he's trying to get God? Well, we're going to answer this question in a minute. But Lord, you've searched me and you know me. And this is what you need to ask God this morning. 
is, Father, you've, you've searched me and you know me. And so we're going to ask God at the end of this message today to search me. And Father, seek out and just, just search, this, search me, God. And so let's, let's read what David's asking God to do. You search me and you know me. And Father, you know when I sit and you know when I rise and you perceive my thoughts from afar. So God, from your vantage point, with all the details of this entire world that you're dealing with, Somehow or another, you like pay real close attention to me, like when I'm sitting, when I'm standing, and you perceive my thoughts from afar. Like, you know what I'm thinking about in the midst of all that you have to deal with. You know what's going on inside my mind. How crazy is that? Let's keep reading. So you discern my going out and my lying down. So like, again, he's like, God's intimately aware of what's taking place. You're familiar with all my ways. And then he says, before a word is even on my lips, this is the crazy part, before a word is even on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Before it even comes out of your mouth, God is aware of that. Isn't that awesome? How many wives already think you know what's going to come out of your husband's mouth sometimes, you know, and you wish, oh, I hope he doesn't say that, I hope he doesn't say that. My wife, many times, I'm sure, would probably think, oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't say what I think he's, I think he's going to say. Well, God knows exactly what you th he thinks you're getting ready to say. God knows every thought that's in your heart, and he knows every thought that's in your mouth right before you even speak it. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Then he goes on to say, oh, I love this. What a, you can see the Father in this. Oh, it's so beautiful. You can see parents, like a parent's love in this. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. This idea, when I, when I read this, this is what I think about is the hemi in behind and before. Uh, you know, if, if you have a young child and, and you've ever been, you know, you, you, you're, you're on a sidewalk and you're walking and you're coming to a crosswalk and that little kid's just kind of bouncing around looking at the world and, and, and as a parent, you're like, no, 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 hold on, slow down, slow down, slow down. Slow down. I'm hemming you in because I know that you're not paying attention to the cars and the traffic and those things. I'm, I'm kind of hemming you in, right? And there's other times where, where it, just like what God does is that, like that same child kind of metaphor is like, you know, you're dropping them off in their class and you know it's a safe environment and you're like, and you're kind of going behind them and you're kind of saying, okay, it's okay, come on, come on, you got this, you got this, and you're going behind them and you're laying your hand upon them. So either you're hemming them in, holding them back to protect them, but you're also encouraging them, kind of pushing them forward in certain environments. You kind of catch, catch the idea here. So God is that kind of God, is that he's so intimately aware of you like, he knows your thoughts. He knows when you rise. He knows when you're, when you're, you're, you're going is out, you're coming forth. He knows all this about you. And he also knows when you're getting ready to get in trouble. And he knows when you need encouragement. Man, it's just so beautiful. Keep reading with me. So such knowledge is too wonderful for me to attain. It's like blowing my mind. You, are you catching this with me? This is what David is like getting just caught up in the knowledge of God. And I hope that I'm doing a good job of trying to help take you there for that moment is that this is how your God knows you too. Is that he knows you so intimately well that it should blow your mind to think that every part of your life he's fully intimately aware. Now when I think about God and all that he has to take care of in the grand scheme of this world, immediately I think, who am I that he's mindful of me? You remember David write that, writes that in one of his psalms. He says that when I gaze into the night sky and I see the work of your fingertips, the moon and the stars suspended in space, and I think... Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you have given man this authority of the beasts of the fields and, and, and all these things. He's just like, it's just crazy. And then David sums it up with this statement. Like such knowledge about you, it's like too wonderful. It's like so 
lofty, like, dude, it's just blowing my mind to think about it. This is the God that you and I serve. He knows you that intimately well. With everything he has to pay attention to, you are such a priority to him that he gets you to that level. So, so cool. Let's keep reading. So he says, where do I go from your spirit? And where, and where can I flee from your presence? With all that you know about me. So where in the world can I go that I can't, like, I can get away from you? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, well, you're there, obviously. But if I go to like, my bed in the depths, well, you're there. And if I go to, and to, uh, rise up on the wings of the dawn and I settle on the far side of the sea, well, even there, your hand, will, your, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And then he goes on to say that surely if, if, the dark, if I say to myself, well, the darkness can hide me, I can, I can go in complete darkness, and the light becomes like night around me. I can't even see my hand in front of my face, that kind of darkness. Well, even the darkness won't be dark to you. Because the night will shine like the day with you, and darkness is as light to you. So even though I'm in complete darkness, I can't even see my own hand, for you it's like full sun. <laughs> it's like, wow, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. Are you catching this God that you and I serve? And he knows you this intimately well. How beautiful is that? But not only that. Not just in, your, in the life that you live right now, in this earth suit that you live, before you're even formed. Check out this. It says, For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Keep reading with me. And he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And finally, it says this, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days, <laughs> all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came true. Before you were born, God had that level of detail, interest in you. He knew about your life today. He knew the job you would have. He knew the talents and skills that he was going to give you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to attain. It's too lofty. It's too crazy. It blows my mind to think about it. As Christians, we believe and we know that conception begins life. Science, science affirms this and, and, and proves this to be true. And with irrefutable proof, we know that, that there is an evidence of a beating heart because we can see it on sonograms and we can see it now visibly and hear it, the human heart beating in early, early, earlier and earlier phases now in life. It's a beautiful thing that God allows us to see with technology. And the human heart is God's most wonderful and mind-blowing of all creations, isn't it? It's wonderful to think of how we have life. But what I've discovered as I read this book is a few things that I'm going to read to you, just an excerpt from this, from this book that I want to capture another wonder with you about the human heart. And I'm not just referring to the mechanical heart that beats inside your chest, but I want to talk to you about the unseen heart that's at the core of who you and I are. You see, your heart is the home to your desires and to your dreams. 
Your heart is the place that gives life to your spirit and to your conscience. Your heart is the place where you store your private thoughts. And your heart is the place that you protect your past. And your heart is the place that you labor to keep certain things secret. But yet it is also the place that you desire with such depth that you long for someone to know intimately. Yes, I desire for this to be kept secret and sacred, but yet I long for someone to know it fully. Isn't that beautiful? It's the place where in your heart that you experience your greatest joys on earth. But your heart is also the place that you will feel the deepest and greatest pain as well. Your heart holds your identity of who God created you to be, your passions, your purpose. If it matters to you, you must know that it has passed through your heart that God created. All of the issues of your life, everything that matters to you flows out of your heart. Your heart is what makes you, you. And that's what God created. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to attain. It's too lofty. And it blows my mind to think that that's a God that created that level of intricacy. And God created that heart that he placed inside of you as a sacred place of cohabitation. He designed that place, yes, for your true love that you would share with your spouse one day. And there's a special place inside your heart, no doubt, for your kids, your family. But I would submit to you today that there is a special, sacred place inside your heart that is reserved only for you and for God to share that spot. It's that place that God has intended as a special place of refuge, a place for you and he to have private conversations where he can hem you in and when he can encourage you on. It's those places where he can give you that level of peace and comfort in those times of distress and challenge. It's those places where God can free you from fear. It's that place where God can convict you of sin It's that place where God can dispatch his mercy and his grace and remind you of his love that's unending. It's that sacred place that God has designed. It's that dwelling place. And as believers, we understand that there is some spiritual thing that happens when we say yes to Jesus and surrender our life to him. The Holy Spirit moves inside of us, right? And we say that what? The Holy Spirit moves inside our heart. It's the unseen heart that we're talking about. But he takes up residency inside of us, convicting us of sin, empowering us with certain gifts, emboldening us for the purposes that God has challenged, has given to us in advance to do. It's his dwelling place. It's a sacred place. It's a sanctuary. It makes so much sense when you understand that why God's word says in Proverbs 4.23 that above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do 
flows from it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Think about all the different places that David, David tells us that I have hidden God's word where? In my heart, so that I may not sin against God. So many times throughout Scripture, you're going to see over and over, when you understand this concept of how God is trying to tell us, man, your heart is that sacred sanctuary. It's that special place. It's sacred and it's valuable. And here's what we know about human nature, things that are sacred and valuable. Write this down somewhere in your notes. We guard what is sacred and we guard what is valuable. It's just natural to us. And God says that we should guard our heart above all else. And if we don't take that, if we don't understand the value of this heart that we have and the special place that we have for God and us to spend time together, and we just think, ah, nothing's bothering me, nothing's hurting me, and we let things in, and then Satan understands that, he's going to insert lies that we will believe, and things will happen to us that we will partner with and believe about ourselves. And Satan, those lies, those sins, and those beliefs that we have will change who we are at the core level inside of us, inside our heart. And you know what ends up happening? Is those beliefs change our behaviors, and those behaviors turn out to produce actions in our lives which are fruits in our lives. You see the fruit where it comes from? It's not just that you just sinned. It's not just that you have a problem. It's not that you struggle with anxiety. It's not just you struggle with certain things and temptations. It stems back to some level of root, and that root is something that you've believed, you've partnered with, and you've dealt with, and it's got to get out. It's got to come out, and you've got to let God deal with this issue. You've got to let him extricate it, and then you have to ask the Holy Spirit to replant truth back into that space, and so he can begin that healing so you can see his fruit come in your life. God's word says that you shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. Forgiveness is instantaneous. Freedom, walking in freedom, is a process. If you want to be free, you have to go in anywhere in your heart that has lies associated with it and replace those lies with truth. That's why it's so important to memorize Scripture, to make sure that that truth from God's Word is replacing any of those lies that Satan has. But it's not just a matter of adding truth in. we got to get the lies out through God's power and through God's strength. We can walk this journey. King David understood that. That's why he says, you search me and you know me. Remember how that passage started? And this is how it ends. In Psalms, at the end, of the, the end of the passage says, search me, God, and know my what? heart. That's where he's understanding. It wasn't just God, search my head, know what's wrong with me, fix his brain. Like, I'm all jacked up up here, and I can't stop thinking about this, and I can't stop doing this. David's like, no, no, no. You search me and you know me. You know what? And you know what David understood? You search me and you know me. Because you search me, oh God, and you know my heart. And David understood that that means you have to test me and know my anxious thoughts. He goes on to say in verse 24, he says, point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is what our prayer is and what your prayer is today. Is like, God, search me and know me. Would you just do a heart work inside of me, God? Would you, would you just let me know what it is? Like, because I see fruit in my life that I'm like, absolutely, there's got to be some, some root there. But for the life of me, I can't figure it out. I don't know what it is. 
Someone's calling me. Let's see, it's probably my mom. Let's see. Oh, I'm busy right now. So, <laughs> I think my warranty in my car just expired. I'm, i I got to check that in a minute, though, because I don't want to miss it. So, um, but the, the key is, guys, is that we have, to, we have to lean into this thing because search me, God. Because I, 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 listen, I'm telling you from my experience is that there was fruit in my life, and it sounds simple until you start working on it, is that there's fruit in your life. You're like, this is like fruit I don't want. And so what is the lie I believed? And it's like, okay, there must be a lie I believe. So you think about what's the lie I believe? Well, I don't know. You know why you don't know? Because it's a good lie, and you believe it. And it's going to take some work. And the only way that you're going to answer the question of what is the lie and what was the thing, what was the root of this issue, is for God to say, for you to say, God, search me. Search my heart and point out what it is. Help me find it so that I can go pull it out with your help and have the Holy Spirit come and minister to me and heal me. And I'm telling you, when you do that hard work with another brother in Christ, another sister in Christ, you won't know what it's like to experience the freedom that comes with that. It's powerful. I found myself weeping and weeping over things that I'm just like, man, praise you, God. Man, praise you, God. It's a process that's painful, but it is so beneficial. And I had to tell you about it. That's why I think David was called a man after God's own heart, because when God sees all of us, he sees our heart. And Acts, that's what God himself, he says, David is a man after my own heart. Because when God sees you, he sees your heart. He's not looking at what car you drive, and he's not looking at anything. He's looking at your heart, a sacred place. Do I have his heart? Do I have his full attention? Do I have her heart? Do I have her full attention? When he sees you, he sees your heart through the eyes of his mercy and the light of his son and the sacrifice that he's given you. But the pride of a father who absolutely loves you and adores you and desires so much for you to live in freedom. He's grateful that you've discovered forgiveness. But he scratches his head and wonders why you choose to live in bondage still when there is a path for freedom that is equally as available, but it's just going to take some more work on your behalf to be able to help uncover these things. God looks at you and he sees your heart. Nothing is hidden from him. He discerns your thoughts and your intentions. He knows your, your desires and your motives. He knows your pride. He knows your love. He knows your sin. He knows your greed. Nothing escapes him. In fact, this word that we have is, is the window into our souls. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, uh, verses 12 and 13 it says the word of God is living and active. It says it's living and active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword and it penetrates even dividing the soul and spirit joints and marrow. And then it says this, and it discerns or judges the thoughts and the intentions of what? The heart. 
So when you and I read this word and when we're trying to, when we say, search me and know me, God, test me and see if there's anything inside my heart, expose it. And when we take that methodology to God and we say, God, what is it? Show it to me. And I'm, and I'm reading God's word. Suddenly, I don't have to like wait for an audible voice from God. It's more than audible because God's word discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You begin to see what's different. Because the truth of God's word is what's exposing the lie that we partner with and we believe. It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Verse 13 says, well, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. We've started off our passage looking at that, right? I mean, we can see everything. Everything's uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give an account. But now here's the encouraging part. While nothing, oh man, I hope you hear this. Gosh, I hope you hear this. While nothing, nothing is hidden from God, hear me clearly. Even though nothing in your life is hidden from God, nothing in your life has stunned God either. Nothing in your life has made God go, well, never mind. I uh, didn't see that coming with her. Or with him. And so I'm, I'm sorry I can't, I can't fulfill my, my fatherly love with you because of that. No, no, no. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing has stunned God. Nothing in your past, nothing in your present, and nothing in your future is going to affect his love. And it will not change his plans for you because he is omniscient. Before you're even born, all the days of your life, he, under, or he's under, he already has known what's going to happen. Even that terrible thing, even that horrible choice of what you did, what you were a witness to, what you watched, what you clicked, and what you were a party to. He knew it all. And he still loves you. Who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I to be worthy of that type of love? Would you agree with that statement for you? Who are you to be worthy of that? Who are you that he would be mindful of that? When he sees you, he sees something amazing in you. He sees you somehow through the eyes of his mercy and through the light of his grace and love and through what his son did as a sacrifice. And suddenly, he just sees you as a father. And he sees you as his child. And it puts a smile on his face anytime that you desire to be with him in that special sanctuary of his heart. That's what he wants. He just wants to be in that sacred place with you. And he doesn't want all the other crap in there. He's like, why did we let this in here? This is our spot. This is our special place. This is gross. This is sick. That's a lie. Like, what is that? Search me, God. Point out anything inside my heart that doesn't line up with this special place. Make me aware of it so I can clean it out and get rid of it. So that we can just have this intimacy together. There's nothing that's going to put a smile on the Father's heart 
and on his faith, then when he sees that your heart is leaning into wanting to see that happen, that's what David had. That's why he said there's a man after my own heart because he understands the value of what it was. But it says in, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, it says something pretty interesting. The Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is faithful, is a faithful God, and blessed are those who wait for his help. The Lord's waiting for you to come to him. He doesn't bully himself into you. He's the conquering king, but he's not going to just come in and take over your heart. He's waiting for you to bring it to him. Isn't that something? The choice is yours to make. Will you surrender your life to him in that capacity? Because if you do, you get the benefit to have forgiveness of sins. And maybe today you've never done that. Maybe you've never asked God to be your forgiver and your leader. You've never surrendered your life to him. And you got to know, man, listen, we've all messed up. God's word says everybody's sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And there's a penalty to sin, and that's death, which means that we spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. There's a real penalty to sin. And the only way that you can pay for sin is that you pay it yourself by spending eternity separated from God in hell. That stinks. It's terrible. Or someone else can pay it for you. And Jesus paid it for the world, but he's waiting for you, as that verse said, to come to him to receive the gift. And so you come to him, and you surrender your life to him. You give him your heart. And you say, I want to give my life to you. And when you give your heart to Christ, when you give your heart, you surrender your life to, to, the, to the Lord, he immediately saves you and becomes your, your, your savior, is what we call it, savior. And he'll forgive you of your sins, everything you've ever done wrong. And I said, forgiveness is instantaneous. Do you realize that you walked in here filthy, but you can walk out of here completely clean? Your shame and your regret, all that goes away. You'll be completely changed from the standpoint of where you, where you began today. But you will also begin a process. And that process is, is to live in freedom. And that process is going to take a little bit of time, but hey, Join the crowd. We're all trying to look for those areas. What is it, God, that you want to work on next? Search me, God, and know me. Point out the things in my life that need to be changed. And why wouldn't we want to do that? Because there's such freedom associated with it. Oh, I pray that you would discover that. I pray that you would discover it out of a heart like David's to say, search me, God. Let's do this. Let's get some hard work done. And I'm here standing before you to tell you that it is worth the work. It is transformative. It is powerful. You want to see worship songs come to life? You want to see God's word come to life? You want to worship in a different way? Allow him to go extradite, pull out roots in your life that affect fruits in your life. And you're like, wow, I hate weeding. I hate gardening. But this has been a blast. And I'm like, what's next, God? What's next? And I'm ready to pull up my sleeves and start for something else. I pray that you want that and desire that as well. 
When you do that, God becomes your high priest. There's a cool thing I want to leave you with this. So I don't have time to unpack all this, but I want to get to this final verse in a second here. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. And then it goes on to say that for we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, this is talking about Jesus, who's been tempted in every way just as we are, but he didn't sin. So Jesus, is like, he, he lived this earth, but he managed to live, live a sinless life. That's why he was able to die for you, because he was a worthy sacrifice. Remember that everyone sinned and everyone has to pay the penalty of sin? He didn't sin. Therefore, he could die as a sinless person for the sins of mankind. That's why he can pay the price for us. And it says this, So let us approach God's throne of grace. Oh, this is so cool. With confidence. Some translations say boldly. That's how I memorized it years ago. Let us approach the throne of grace boldly so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Leave that verse there just for a moment. What captivates me every time I think about this verse is the word throne of grace and boldly. Think of the word throne for a moment. Who sits on a throne? A king. Where is the king located and the throne located? In a palace, in a temple, right? It's like this big, like, okay, the kingdom, right? And the throne is there. All the guards are lined up. This is where all the business and dealings are taking place. And, we're, and so let's just, let's just do it in an earthly understanding. You've got a king on a throne, all the guards and all the palace people and everybody, all the magistrates, everyone's there. Kingly work is being done. This is the important stuff happening inside the throne, right? The king is on the throne. Business is in session. There's kingly stuff happening, right? So imagine that. That's the setting, okay? Now picture all of a sudden some, the door just flings open in the back and someone boldly comes stepping in. Yo, what's up? Boldly walking in with confidence, strutting down the center aisle, walking up to the throne. Who does that? Who has the audacity to just walk in the middle of that environment up to the throne? I can only think of two people. A complete idiot, (laughs) number one, or that must be the king's kid. Who do you think God's talking about? You think he's telling us to go be an idiot? Or you think he's calling us one of his children? Oh, wow. You see that, folks? With the pride of the Father. When he sees you, he sees your heart. In the light of his mercy, in the light of his son, with his love. He just, he just wants to spend time with you. He doesn't care. All the affairs of the world, all the craziness that's happening. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, look who just walked in. Look who wants to spend some time with me. Hey, just give me a second. And you have my full undivided attention. That's your God. When you take time to go to that special sacred place, it's as if you just did that. And he puts everything else on pause and says, hey, what's up? He just sits with you to give you peace and to comfort you and to challenge you and to embolden you and to hem you in, to dust you off, tell you about your purpose. Oh, the shameful thing is, is that how many times have we just skipped over that because 
There's no more room left in our heart for him. We need to guard our heart above everything because out of it flows every part of our life comes out of our heart. It's a sacred place. So my challenge to you is to simply ask God, Father, what's inside there that needs to come out that's crowding you out? Because when I received this heart from you when I was born, maybe I should say it this way, when I received this heart from you when it was born again, when I put my faith and trust in you and you gave me this new heart, I'm sorry that I didn't protect it. I'm sorry that I treated it like I used to treat it and I just let stuff kind of get in because I thought, I'm, I'm okay, I can handle that kind of stuff. I want you to point out inside me, God, that needs to go, that needs to change, this has got to, come in, Father, let's do some work together and let's make my heart the place that you're pleased with. Man, would you pray a prayer like that? And then would you be willing to make some adjustments with whatever it is that he tells you to do? I pray that you will, and I promise you that you will be glad that you did. Can we pray together? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's just pray. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just pray. Father, I want to pray that prayer. Lord, David was a man after your own heart, and I believe that we all could be that. We all could be people after your own heart. Lord, I think there's a part of us today that, that, does, that, that, that there's, there's probably not a person in this room who doesn't want to know you and have that level of relationship with you. I even think, Lord, there's people in the room who are, who are still questioning whether, like this whole God thing, but I still think inside of them, there's a part of them that just says, man, what if that's true? What are the implications? Like, how would my life be different if, there was actually, if this was actually true? Lord, there's something in them that tells them that says this is true. And so, Lord, whether they're kicking the tires of faith or whether they've been believers of all their life, Lord, this is a prayer that we all can pray. And that prayer is, Father, search me. Search my heart and point out in me, Father, my, where I need to begin and where I need to start. For some, Lord, you're going to point out that they need to start by surrendering their life to you and beginning a relationship with you. For others, Lord, you're going to point out a certain sin that needs to go away. For others, you're going to point out a lie that they've believed. For others, you're going to draw them back to a moment in time when they were younger, and you're going to say this was a moment in time that you were wounded and hurt, and there was a trauma, or there was a rejection, or there was an area of pride, or there was an area of fear, or there was some area of insecurity, and those things have created a level of, that Satan has leveraged off of that have helped create all these other cascading problems. And man, Father, you, you want to work on that issue. So God, boy, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in individual lives. I can't wait for the stories that are going to come from this, this productive prayer that they will pray. But Lord, I believe that men and women are going to choose to follow you and, for, and to chase after you as their Lord and Savior. And I believe that men and women are going to choose to have you examine their heart and adjust their lives to it. Father, it's my prayer that people will leave today forgiven. And I pray that it's my prayer, to, and I also pray, God, today that it is uh, a day that people will leave free. Grant forgiveness to those who will discover that for the first time today and put people on a path to freedom 
who are willing to begin that path with you today as well. Father, when you see us, you see our heart. You look at us with a Father's love. And we know we're not worthy of it. And who are we that you're mindful of us? But when you see us, you see our heart. In the eyes of your mercy, in the light of your Son. And we are so grateful for that. And we love you. Let us never forget to value and guard that sacred space of our heart. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.